Oh, shit. Bet. All right. Welcome to the Footy Philosophy Podcast. This is the first episode, so, you know, bear with us. But this is sort of our uh, weekly roundup, Monday through Friday. It's just some things we uh, thought were interesting heading into the weekend. Um, It seems as if the biggest storyline potentially this week is Santos getting relegated from the first tier of Brazilian football. It's the first time in over 100 years that they're going to be playing in the second tier, obviously causing some some uh, massive outrage. I, I'm not sure if you saw the, the photos, but there were some fires. There were some fires in, in the town. and uh, I'm not yeah. surprised knowing how Brazilian football is, uh, how yeah. seriously they take it. For sure. You know, it's quite a big deal, too. Obviously, the stars that have come out of there, Pele, Neymar, Rodrigo. Um, You know, I'm not going to lie. I don't know like a whole lot about the squad, but when you think Brazilian, you know, premier premier division, you think Santos and for them to be going down, it's like, that's a big deal. It's as if, you know, someone like Manchester United or Arsenal were to go down. Yeah. Quite. And, you know, um, just to touch on it, I- I'm guessing the Santos team in the Serie A isn't really all that good uh, just based on what I've seen. And I haven't watched any Santos games, but I have actually watched some Palmeiras games, which I'm sure you know why, but I will just mention just because of Endrick and my Real Madrid fandom. I've been following them recently in their title push. Um, to be honest, I didn't even, I, I don't check the Brazilian standings very much, but this topic is very permanent in world football because, you know, it's such a historic club with so many historic players like you already mentioned. And I'm sure there's more, you know, with you and I both, we definitely focus mostly on European football. So, right, yeah. you know, especially with the way the world has gone now and the football or the football world that is, where like you know we have hyper focused on European football, all the best players, European football. Um, and all that being said, just it, it's really sad. In a hundred years, you know, I'm not surprised they've been in the first division for that long. Um, but you know, I guess it goes. The Brazilian Serie A is a fantastic league. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I've known this for a long time. It's something that I wish I watched more. Um, but I don't even know what channel they're on. Yeah. Um, and I watch enough football as it is. You know, the wife gets a little mad. You know, like oh, you're watching another game. So you know, because I need to add more more games into my rotation. But you know, all that being said, just uh, it's really disappointing. Um, from just a you know someone that loves the game, it it's sad to see. You know. It, no sure. matter how much I don't really like a certain team, like a Barcelona per se, I would never want to see them get relegated. Like even like a Man City with everything they have going on, I just it, it would it wouldn't be good for football in my opinion. And this yeah. is bad for football. Um, yeah. and I also just want to bring up something else that went on in the Brazilian Serie A. It's just the fact that um, I'm gonna botch this name, but uh, Bota. Botafoga. I don't know if you know what's been going on there, but they were in first like a month ago and they've been on a terrible run of form and lost the league um, and actually That's ended up enough. in fifth place. Um, I don't know what their run of form has been, but it's been really bad. I'll tell you. Lost, draw, 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 loss, 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 wow. loss, draw. Yeah, that's their last 
is that 10 games? Yeah, so they haven't I mean, won. That's really bad. They haven't won since October, and they've only picked up, you know, what is that, six points since then. That is that is terrible. That's something that, you know, touching on that, something that uh, the top five leagues in Europe specifically lack is, like, a team to just bottle the league that hard. That's fascinating. And, you know, it does make you want to pay attention to some other leagues. Um, the other thing about Santos is you're, you're so right. It is – it is bad for football. It's bad for the product, if you will, if you want to, if you want to go there. But um, yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. It seems like, you know, that that's something there that transcends even just performance and anything along those lines. That's that's actually like a huge cultural impact type of thing. And yeah. you know, I just they only lost by one point, man. Like. <laughs> They got sent down. I mean, granted, their goal differential, they would have get sent down anyway if they like had one more point. But like, you know, if one of those draws turns into a win, you know, if one of those two of those losses turn into draws, you know, I, I don't really know. Oh man, they lost this game in the 95th minute, or you know, I, I don't know their games that well, but um yeah, it's just it's just sad and kind of crazy how one you know game can make or break the season and for sure and i do just want to add uh guess who the striker is for um botafogo guess without looking <laughs> yeah um he played for the spanish national team but he's actually from brazil diego costa yep oh shoot he had 10 goals this season in 13 games oh no that's appearances sorry um, that was 10 sub appearances in 13. He only had three goals this year. Okay. So he doesn't even play that much, but yeah. still, uh, I mean, their striker had 17 goals and 36 appearances. So, um, that is fascinating. Very. Um, and you know, I do want to say shout out to Endrick and Palmeiras for, you know, winning the <laughs> league. They were actually, I don't know if you know, but the game they played Botafogo or Botafogo, Botafogo was up three nil. And then Palmeiras came back. Um, on the back of Endrick, who has actually been a big reason why they won the title this year. Um, he's someone that actually struggled to get into the lineup at the beginning of the year, and really just this past month or so has been in amazing form, and actually has outscored every Brazilian youngster except for Neymar. Oh wow! So, yeah, yeah that's, and that's you know Neymar has stayed there for a number of years, so. Right. Yeah. What's what's this? 11, 11 goals, thirty one appearances. But he, you know, he's hardly started. That's that's a solid. Speaking of goals or lack thereof, maybe United Chelsea was yesterday. Um, there is there is a lot to talk about with this. Um, you know. I I'm watching this game and it feels more like something we'd play in the backyard or like something you'd find in a on a bad high school pitch, something along those lines. The Chelsea were so sloppy in possession. They need so much work. And the only reason that they were, you know, alive in this game is because of uh United's just they had no midfield presence whatsoever. And I thought it was hilarious. You wrote down Amrabat Fugazi footballer. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, he's one of those guys that was wanted by so many teams based on, you know, a seven game World Cup. And I liked him, but I'm not I'm not going to be like, yo, we need this guy from a seven game World Cup. And, you know, it's just I, I it's not that I'm saying he is, but it's more so my question, because like. Granted, I you know, actually, I, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, like, United is never the place to judge a footballer. OK, like ever. Um, especially right now under Ten Hag, maybe with Mourinho and, you know, Strollsire because, you know, he just had the longevity. So, no, but right now, Amrabat's only been there for a couple games and he's only played a couple games. And, you know, I, I do think the question needs to be asked. And like you said, they lack midfield right now. But the thing is that they've always lacked midfield structure. Mm-hmm. Bruno Fernandez unbalances that team really badly, mm-hmm. really badly. And this is beyond the Chelsea. I'm happy they won. Good for them. I, you know, it was a basketball game, though, man. It the was transition back, no midfield transition the other way, no midfield transition the other way. Which also, I think we need to beg the question about Chelsea's midfield. And uh, you know, no shots at Connor Gallagher, but he's not that guy. And he's been their best midfielder. They spent like a hundred plus on Caicedo. I think it was like one forty. No one was even touching that they should let him stay at Brighton and then Enzo they spent like 120 on and also I think Enzo we need to start asking questions about Enzo because the advanced metrics are there but he's not he's not impacting the game and actually when you look at the advanced metrics you know there's no one in the world like Tony Cruz right there's no one in the world like Luka Modric but there are guys that come close you know Barella comes close to Luka Modric when you look at advanced metrics Bernardo Silva comes close to Luka Modric when you look at advanced metrics Nobody comes close to Tony Cruz except for one person in advanced metrics, and that's Enzo Fernandez. So, you know, something's going on there. I And I know it's not Pochettino because the track record is there across teams. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, it's a, it's, um, it's definitely a culture thing with them. Um, towards the end of the game, uh, Chelsea are – well, United started sitting back because they took the lead with, from Scott McTominay's brace, which I'll talk about in a, in a second. But um, yeah, we can get there. Yeah, Chelsea are recycling possession, and there's a bad pass back into the you know the back line, and Desassi and Thiago Silva almost run into each other trying to get the ball, and Silva you know yells at him. I thought that was really interesting and very indicative of just what's going on there right now. It's I don't know. No disrespect to Tiago Silva, but if the guy's almost forty years old and he's like the guy, your guy, yeah, that's that's problematic. That's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Well, um, and I want to say that uh, just you know, I don't mean to cut in, but Diasi is not a outside back. Okay, mm-hmm. like he's not. I, yeah. I don't care about you know. Oh, we're playing our structures fine with it. You know, blah blah blah. He's not. Yeah. No, that that is something that I. You know, Pochettino, I love him as a former former Spurs manager. I love him, but there are some questionable decisions there. He's got Levi Colwell playing left back and Cucurella playing right back, which that's fine, I guess. But Levi Colwell is not a left back for me. He is he can play. No, he keeps moving these guys around. Yeah. And it's hard to find it's hard to find any balance in that back line when you have Cucurella on the left and you have um Levy Colwell on the left, and then you have uh, 
Diasi playing, you know, sometimes outside back, sometimes in the middle, you know, either play a back three and just get that structure and get everyone in there. You know, if you want, if you want, you know, if you want, lead, if you want those three center backs in there, get a back three, stop playing Kukurea on the right, play him on the left, get Reese James in there and thin out your midfield or thin out your attack, figure it out. And, yeah. you know, I, I do want to say this Chelsea team, they're, they're transition monsters, man. Like yeah. they're really good in transition. And, you know, I hate to say it, but Cole Palmer, not a fan. I, I don't really care um, what anyone says. Uh, I'm just not a fan. If City is willing to let you go, you're probably not that good at the end of the day. Um, and there's and everyone – no, but the truth is, is like everyone's like, oh, like Pep lets guys go. Pep, Pep, Bernardo Silva has been pushing for a move for four freaking years, and Pep hasn't been like, yeah, go to Barcelona. Brian Torres is like, I want to leave after six months. He's like, yeah, have fun. Good, cool, go. You know, yeah. and if let you leave, there's a reason he lets you leave. Either – you know, he thinks your head's not there or you're just he's switching systems and he's OK with losing you. There's, you know, they did every Kyle Walker wanted to go to Byron this year, but they did everything to keep him there. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Well, you know, Cole Palmer, not a fan, but Mudrick, he's really good in transition. Raheem Sterling, he's really good in transition. Nico Jackson, really good in transition. Um, But they really lack a nine and, you know, they need someone to finish those chances because they're creating good chances. And, you know, I keep seeing that Raheem. Sterling to Nico Jackson on goal and you know a lot of some people are like Nico's got to finish that and some people are like Raheem's got to pass it earlier or later and I'm just kind of like it just looked crap altogether to me yeah. like yeah. and you know Mudrick in general I'm a big fan of him especially in transition he actually reminds me of I know he's older than Vinicius but he reminds me of like a younger Vinicius who just really needs to work on his decision making I'm not I, I don't think he's a hundred mil player but 50 75 I'm all I would pay that for him but you know he right now he can't he he, he can't be the guy to lead the line um, for sure and you know that's kind of what Chelsea have gotten themselves into unfortunately in this circumstances you know they they've spent a bunch of money on a lot of guys and you know honestly I I gotta give Potch some credit here you know like he's not really calling out any of his guys and being like I need more from so and so you know he's like we're learning yeah. we're getting better. Um, or I expect more from everybody, you know, like he's not singling anybody out. Um, Nico Jackson is not that guy, at least not yet. I could have told, I had a bunch of Chelsea fans who were ex players of mine when I coached been like, what do you think about Nico Jackson? Cause they know I watch all league. And I'm like, especially after preaches, I'm like, he's not that guy. Don't like, yeah. this is, this is a purple patch. Okay. Like, um, and you know, he's a good player and he is a good player though. That's a thing. And once you get in Kunku back, things are going to look completely different. Um, and Kunku led the Bundesliga in scoring last year. I'm not saying he's going to do that in the Prem, but he's a he's a good goal scorer. But he can't be your main guy. Even they they need they should have spent 200 mil on Osimhen this summer. They shouldn't have went and got Raheem Sterling or Cole Palmer. You know, um, they've already spent all this money. And I don't know. You might disagree. I think Chelsea is actually a pretty solid team on paper. They're not world class, but they create chances. They have a good coach. They have good center backs. They have good outside backs. They have a structure in midfield, whether it's good or not. Um, you know, losing Kovacic hurt, but it's not the end of the world. But, you know, they go get the DM, which, you know, you could have paid for Rice. Come on. Like, yeah. if, Rice, if, if, if you offer the same price for Declan Rice as Arsenal and you lose that battle, fine. But they weren't even in the race. And maybe that's because Declan Rice said, look, I only won Arsenal. But, you know, 
the structure's there. They just need a nine. They should have spent the money on Oshman this summer. He was worth it. And he still hasn't re-signed at Napoli because of, you know, I don't know if you know about the problems that have been going on there, but there's yeah. a lot of problems going on there. Yeah. Um, you know, the owners, like, I don't want him going to AFCON. I don't, you know, and like, I think that's a fair opinion, but you just can't say it. Like, we all think it, but you just can't say it. Right. And, you know, he hasn't renewed yet, and so he'll be cheaper this summer. Maybe they go nab him in January if he's mad with Rudy Garcia. Um, but I doubt Napoli really want to let him go. Uh, I, I do see him re-signing, but I see him re-signing with a release clause of like maybe 125, 150. And he is worth that though. Yeah. No, I'd love him on my team. The, uh, you know, talking about goal scoring, I I, I want to talk about Scott McTominay because this guy is someone like, I remember back in the day when, uh, you know, he was younger and I was playing FIFA. He was a striker. He was a striker. And, um, you know, ever since then, he's just moved further, you know, further back in the spine of the team, even playing center back sometimes. But he scores a brace yesterday. Obviously, it's kind of like a meme that he scores for Scotland a lot. But like he this guy is a goal scorer. I don't know if he's, you know, a box to box midfielder or even a 10, you know, a 10 more of a strato, shadow striker type. But the only thing that I was thinking of was if they can, if United can find a way to polish their midfield, whether it's having, you know, Amrabat and Casemiro when he's healthy, but, you know, who knows if Ten Hag is going on with Casemiro and Veron anyway. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I'm just talking about, like, you know, two sixes or deep lying playmakers that can, you know, allow McTominay to bomb forward. That would be interesting. Um, but, he won't drop his wingers though. The problem is, here's the issue with United structure. Bruno, he he defends, but he doesn't want to. Rashford ain't defending. Yeah. Your striker ain't defending. I'm sorry, you can't defend with seven outfield players and expect to win at the end of the day. And you know who McCommony actually reminds me of? Ex United player. Followed Mourinho around a couple places. You know what I'm talking about? Mikatarian? No. Actually, Mourinho can't stand Mkhitaryan. No, but like big dude, Mourinho would throw him on late and just oh, like, go get in the box. Yes, exactly. Like this dude, he, he doesn't really have like a poacher like mentality, but like, man, he gets in the dirty areas, bro, and he wins headers. And honestly, like I'm, I don't think Scott McTominay is like a good footballer, but I don't necessarily think he's a bad one either though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I'm... I'm very okay with Scott McTominay getting minutes at United. I just don't think he should be starting at United, but he's in great goal scoring form right now. And yeah. when guys are having their purple patch, man, you got to play them. It's like why yeah. Garnacho started. And, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on Garnacho mm. in this game and as a player? I, I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch from what I saw from the game. He was definitely coming up in the right areas, which you love to see from a winger. Um, you know, threatening the goal. Um, as a generally as a player, I like him, and you know he's so young, so who who knows where he can go. Um, there are some times where I think he plays a little bit of hero ball, where you know he tries to take the game for himself, which is you know you like that to some extent, and you know his idols Ronaldo, so of course he wants to try and you know win the game, but there are some moments where like. Okay, maybe you need to square the ball when you're on the edge of the box and let someone else have a shot. Um, but yeah, he was one of the best players for them yesterday. 
Uh, I just think sort of like what you're saying about McTominay right now, Garnacho should be starting, you know, games against teams lower down the table and some cup ties, not, not a big game against Chelsea. That's just my opinion. United should have. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment too. Like let the kid grow into it. Don't just throw him into the deep end. Um, yeah. But I guess part of the issue is, is that Garnacho is hot right now and Rashford's not. So you got to ride the hot hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, if Garnacho is right now making good decisions, being that guy, you know, you got to ride with him. Um, Anthony also started on the right wing, which United have spent a lot of money on him. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan. Maybe if he costs like, I, I think he's like a 30, 35 mil, maybe $50 million footballer in today's yeah. game. I think they spent 75, so way above that. Um, I think a lot of smart people would probably agree with that assessment. I, I would pay at most 35 for him. Um, because you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on a guy that's not really gonna get goals. Um yeah, for and sure. He could have just went and got Rafinha for the same price, who ended up at Barcelona and is a much better footballer. Um, but you know, Ten Hag wanted Anthony. The club backed him. What are your thoughts on either Anthony in general or like his impact on United's game because it wasn't United's best eleven. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. <clears throat> Anthony's not in United's best eleven, in my opinion. Yeah. Probably not. Um the thing about Anthony is he's a lot he reminds me a lot of Kulusevsky. They only really have one thing in their bag, and it's to cut in on the left. And sure, that's dangerous, but with the way the Premier League is right now. You need you need a winger that's going to keep you on your toes. You need a winger that's unpredictable that can go to the byline or cut inside. You don't want it to be. You don't want them to be a cul-de-sac, and that's sort of what Anthony is. Um, and you know him him coming into the half space does allow for Dallow to come forward, who had a really good game yesterday. Um, he's a weird case, Diego Dallow. Yeah. yeah, you know because. But he's not at the same time. Sometimes, yeah, he know it's. Yeah, I think he has a good football IQ. Um, just as it's just the, the technique isn't there sometimes. Uh, good way to put it. Yeah, but Plus, yeah. he plays on both flanks. Can't get really much consistency because he keeps getting moved around. Um, but yeah, uh, any other thoughts that you have from the United Chelsea game? I regretted watching that instead of Aston Villa City. Yeah. <laughs> And we can use that to transition to Aston Villa City. I mean, yeah. what a game that was, really. Yeah, um, I wish I watched it, man. I, I missed it as well. Um, I did watch it in 2X. Um, yeah. So I did actually, like, see some things. And, you know, I need to watch Via a lot more, like, when I don't know what the outcome is, especially at Via Park. Um, they got out XG'd, and Man City didn't produce. They produced zero XG after the 11th minute. It's crazy. And I just want to say that, like, honestly, this was super disrespectful by Pep. That lineup he put out was super disrespectful. I agree. He plays Luton on the weekend. Luton. <laughs> I believe at home. Yeah. At home. It's not like he's Luton away. I believe yeah. it's Luton at home. I can check that. I'm not really sure if it's – I. but either way, they're playing Luton. Like, like, do the math on that one. It doesn't make any sense. You can rotate against Luke Luton. Why is Rico Lewis starting? Especially there. Especially there. On the start, at, at least in the starting eleven, 
you know, I didn't get to watch the the game, but on the starting eleven, he's one of the attacking midfielders. I'd much prefer him at DM or if you're gonna rotate, maybe play him in Kyle Walker's spot. Um Walker did play the game though, but he nonetheless, did, yeah. like they didn't start a genuine eight. I know Silva was there, but to me, he's not really like an eight. He's and he was kind of on the wing a little bit more. He's kind of yeah. become like a wing player for them ever since yeah. like two years ago. So, you know, they started five center backs. You're totally right. The the lineup was disrespectful. And Emery had the perfect counter to that. It was like a 4-4-1-1 or something like that. Maybe a 4-1-4-1. Yeah, it's, his go-to has always been a 4-4-2. Like everywhere yeah. he's been, it's always been a 4-4-2. So, yeah. you know, you're always going to have those two lines of four, which are always tough to break. And, you know, Emery's had about a year and a half to work with these guys. And, you know, Via might have lost 5-1 on match day one, but... I don't think that was a good indicator of where they actually were. And I had kind of been like, I went on record and said that I didn't think Newcastle was very good um, multiple times. And, you know, I, I do think V is actually a better team than Newcastle. Oh, um, I mean, totally right now, for sure. Even even on paper, I think I can agree with that. Yeah, Musa Diaby's class, I don't, did he even start yesterday? Uh, no. No? Well, there you they go. They went with Leon Bailey up top with, um, I forget who his strike partner was now. James McGinn was in. I, I remember looking at their lineup and I'm like, you know, in, in Emery, with Emery, right, it's not like a conventional 4-4-2, though. Like, he's got Telemans there. It kind of, like, morphs every once in a while in yeah. possession. And, you know, that's that's different from Emery because Emery was never like that. Like, in La Liga, because, you know, I've I've seen so much Emery in my life. Yeah. You know, sometimes he would start, like, two right backs, which he actually did against uh, City, by the way. Um, and I, I believe isn't doesn't Camara usually play right back? Isn't he like usually uh, a right back? No, nah, he's normally DM. Really, I had I had heard someone tell me that he is usually a right back, so that's what I thought. Um, but he had played two right backs multiple times for yeah, okay. um, for Villarreal, and you know, to be honest, this this. Emery project is it's 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 good man um it is and you know but like nobody should be surprised like let, let's be honest nobody should be surprised Douglas Louise is really good he's that guy they're tough at home um you know and even more than that just you know this is a guy who beat he beat Bayern, I believe, after they won the UCL, like the year after in what the quarterfinals. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is a guy who, um, oh, okay, Harris played center back in his career. That's what it was. Uh, sorry, I had to look it up. Um, you're good, but this is a guy who, you know, he's not built for the big clubs like Arsenal, PSG, right. He's built for the Sevillas where he won a three-peat of Europa Leagues. He's built for the Villarreal's where he won a Europa League. You know, the Aston Villa is the perfect level for him because he's not going to be expected to play expansive football. But he can get guys in there. He can play a little counterattack. He can play with two very strong lines of four and win games. Yeah, I mean, you look at even just the momentum bar, Via dominated XG, they dominated 22 shots to two, seven on target, two on target. You know, like 
sure they were at home, but still, this this Man City team just just won the treble. Like, so impressive. Um, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think a big club will try and poach Emery, or is he? I, mean, I think he, he's very happy there. Let's 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 be honest. I, I'm I think he's very happy there, and I think he will continue to be happy there. Um, because I just think he knows his comfort zone, and I, I think he's realized that this is probably a good spot for him because he gets the money to work with guys. And you know, Aston Villa, the the more consistent they are, the better they'll be able to stay up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see anyone poaching him. I, I think they see that. He has um, he played some center back for Marseille. Um, I think they see the the thought process, and I think everyone saw the PSG, and everyone yeah. saw the Arsenal. And though the Arsenal project, he really was. I thought it was really short sighted of Arsenal to get rid of him. Um, yeah, probably. I, I just I think everyone kind of recognizes the gaffer that he is, and you know recognizes that a mid-table club is probably best for him. And if you give him a mid-table club with money, he's going to punch above his weight. Emery has always punched above his weight. That's kind of the problem is that he needs to punch, you know, he needs to be the underdog to yeah. succeed. Um, So I think at least I recognize that if I can recognize that I'm sure the people that are way smarter than me are recognizing that. And Aston Villa did a good job picking him up, man. Like it, it they've been, They've been near perfect in their recruitment. They've been near perfect in, um, you know, they almost brought in Aliman, who left Barcelona, is now at Atletico, who's done a did a fantastic job at Barcelona. You know, they're bringing in the right people, um, and you know, they're just going to keep punching above their weight. And I think that's awesome for Aston Villa. It's yeah. awesome for Emery. I'm happy for him, man, because he's a guy that really doesn't receive his flowers enough, in my opinion, because he's arguably he's probably a top. 10 to 20 manager in the world and he, he gets pretty disrespected because of his psg and arsenal stints yeah i mean he's... Which didn't he didn't he make a you europa league final with arsenal am i tripping there it sounds it sounds kind of right didn't I'm... chelsea beat them in that final and he was the coach of the europa league team that year you're you're, you're that you're... sounds right to me yeah I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. Emery's the Europa League monster. God, he's he's the Europa League Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's not him. It's not Sevilla. It's him. <laughs> um, let me see. I I'll be able to find it real quick. I think. I got you. Well, 2018, 2019, he was at Arsenal. His final game in charge was a two-one defeat to Frankfurt in the Europa League. So no, it wasn't. Um. Oh, wait, no, that was the next season. Let me see. Sorry. Yes, he made the final. He lost. They lost to Chelsea 4-1. Sorry. I guess they fired him at the start of the next season. Because it was like last game, 2-1 defeat, Europa League. I was like, oh, they lost. And then it was like, it was 29. It was November when he got fired. So that's why. Man. Well, for as good as Villa and Emery are, there are some concerns with City. Yeah, um, you know, I this is sort of becoming a a thing with them where you know it's December and everyone's saying things are going wrong, 
But, you know, by March, April, it looks like they're going to win the league. So we'll have to see for this season. But that being said, they're in fourth right now. There's six points behind. I don't – it feels like it hasn't been this bad before. Um, I don't know. I don't even really know where to begin because obviously they're missing KDB, who in his own right, I think, you know, he might not be – He's KDB. Was. You don't even have to say anything else. He's KDB. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's that. But in terms of for Holland, too, uh, he makes Holland a much better player. Uh, they don't have anyone in that team really anymore, with the exception of Rodri, maybe, who's going to play, you know, like killer balls into Holland. Um, and, you know, just totally take the top. Really, off. she could. He really could, if but Pep's kind of ruined him a little bit, which we won't get into great detail there, but maybe <laughs> another day. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. You know their last their last five games they've won once and they struggled in that Leipzig game. They were two nil down, right? Yeah, they were two nil down. They were. So it hasn't come easy. Which for goes to show how good they are still, though, at the same day. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure. you go 2-0 down to a very good Leipzig team, and you still win 3-2. And did you have any doubt that they were going to lose that game? Because I didn't. Heading I in? Maybe like, maybe like 10% of me was like, oh, they might lose today. But I, yeah. but if I, like, let's say, like, let's say I was in a gambling state where I could put money, and I see, like, Man City down 2 nothing at halftime to Leipzig, I'm probably going to throw some money on Man City to win that game. Or like Man City and draw. Because, you know, they're that good and they're that talented. And that's why I don't think there's cause for concern Yeah, in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they should be hitting the panic button like that. Um, yeah, for sure. And that, But that being said, also, I don't, I don't see this Man City team. I don't think they win the UCL this year. I don't. I think they probably win the Prem again, though. Um. They're gonna. I think they're gonna get knocked out in the UCL by, like, an Atletico Madrid. I think Atletico Madrid right now would really uh, match up very well against them because they can play that super defensive style. I would say really haven't been that defensive this year, but they can when they need to be. Um, I think that's a good matchup. I think Bayern Munich, if Tuchel doesn't Tuchel it up and just kind of get simple and's like, look, like we got pace. Let's beat them for pace. Let's let you know, like. It, City's really comfortable with the ball. And, you know, I, I City have become a boring team um, over the years, and they've actually become more boring somehow. They just kind of, like, bore you to death. Um, and, you know, I'm really I'm really interested to see what happens when the new year comes around. So I don't know if you remember last season, this kind of stuff was happening again. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, in, in the Real Madrid circles, we talk a lot about uh, – you know, it doesn't matter what you do in December. It matters what you do in March, April, and May because you got the quarterfinal, semifinal, and UCL final in those three months. And leagues are won and lost in those three months. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, if you, you're tired, you know, it's always like, oh, we're not worried at the beginning of the year because as long as we're good at the end of the year, we can push. And, you know, that's that's why I'm not hitting the panic button yet for City. I am out on them for this season. I just think they've, they've achieved what they've been trying to achieve for 10 years now, you know, for as long as Pep's been there. They finally won the Champions League. And it's they like, got it. What else do they have to play for? 
You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, you know, this kind of goes into talk about fixture congestion and, you know, all that, which we don't have to get into. But the thing that I was thinking about was, you know, they do win the treble and it's like they probably just want to sit there and like hands on their knees and take some heavy breaths for, you know, for a little while. And yet they have to start a new season like right away. Yeah, um, we finally did it. And here's, yeah, you guys got to play uh, Newcastle yeah. on the weekend. Have fun. You know? Yeah, exactly. And St. So, James Park. Yeah. A lot of those players, you know, it's not, it's probably not fair to say that they've lost motivation, but something like that where. I'm sure Pep would agree because yeah. he said it on record. He's like, they're like, why do you always bring guys in and leave guys, like sell guys and bring new guys in? And he's like, I, I can't create the hunger inside them you know it's really hard to motivate when you've won everything and yeah they just did that yeah but i am worried about them i I structurally i don't think they're very strong i think people have kind of figured out that box midfield that he wanted um holland is kind of cold in a sense i'm gonna i'm gonna say cold because like he's missing chances that you know when he was with dortmund he would have never missed um like not sitters but they're holland sitters um, right, he missed a few bad ones against Spurs. Yeah, and he's been missing a few bad ones. And, you know, in the Via game, he had those two chances in the 11th minute, which were both very high um, XG chances that nine times out of 10 are goals. And they were both on frame. They were just great saves, back-to-back great saves on the same exact flow of play. Um, yeah. yeah, so, you know, that being said, I don't really, I'm not really worried about City. I just don't see them. You know, I, I, they're going to win some trophies this year. I'm just not sure which trophies it's going to be. Let's yeah. just put it that way. That's fair. I, I don't think I want to see them. I, I don't think I want to see them or beat the Prem. I'd rather that's – I don't like United, but I'd rather that stay with a team that kind of has some history. And, I, you know, I hate people that are like, it's fake history, it's this, it's that. And, again, not going to get into it. But, you know, you at some point you have to create the history, right? Like, at some point, like, you know, like – what you think in the 50s people were being like oh man that fucking uh barcelona team's finally getting good fuck we don't want that you know what i mean like you know you think they were saying that about freaking man oh man man this man united team has no history i can't believe they're they've won 12 of the last 15 prems under sir alex Ferguson. you know what i'm saying like people weren't saying that it's just a new thing and people are just salty at the end of the day it is a the salty jealousy thing and also social media just narratives are so much stronger nowadays but that's it's really easy to drive a narrative especially on the internet yeah Um, but you know to touch on some other epl matches uh wolves beat burnley uh burnley's going down i think companies should stay in she did such a good job last year but wolves are gonna stay up um it's crazy yeah, and they don't really deserve to stay up in a sense. Um, no, probably. And then Arsenal beat Luton, which, you know, is it, it wasn't a talking point, but it becomes a talking point because seven-goal thriller, Yep. Arsenal win late, and I see people getting mad about, oh, they're celebrating like they won the league. Like, dude, they just won a late game. Like, w- what are you going to celebrate? Are you going to celebrate thrashing someone 7-0? Are you going to celebrate winning a late game? It doesn't matter who it is. You're still going to be excited. Yeah, you're a human being for crying out loud. 
and we want to see emotions, man. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, like when these coaches don't get like, you know, one of my favorite things under the Zidane three P is when he got so excited, he literally ripped his pants. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we love that. And like when Carlo gets like, you know, he's so no, I mean, this is dude that's been coaching for like 40 years, but he's just known to be like, you know, that goal where like Everton like goes up four, three and he's just blowing on his coffee. Like after he freaking, after they like go up late and he's just not even excited. It's just like, it's just like one of those things where at the end of the day, we like to see emotion and, you know, we want guys to be excited and happy. Um, do you yeah. have any thoughts about that Arsenal Luton game? I'd even see anything from it. I'm not gonna lie, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't see anything either. It's just the scoreline is obviously intriguing. They, you know, conceding three goals to Luton. No disrespect to Luton, but you should not be conceding three goals to Luton. And you know, I, I think there is some insight with Arsenal and City specifically. It's like these teams should not be conceding these goals. And I know that they're playing. You know, like they're they're prone to counterattacks, and that's been the problem for those types of teams forever, especially down the wings. You know, because they oftentimes only leave two center backs, maybe a DM to shield them. But yeah, it's interesting. And you know, watching the Spurs game against Arsenal too. I like Saliba, he's a good defender, but I don't know. I think you know. What's his face? Arteta. <laughs> Arteta stopped with Ramsdale this year and he went with uh the Spanish guy blanking on his Ryan. name, Ryan. I think that's uh you know, because he wanted a he wanted a better a better goalie on the ball. But Ramsdale's a better shot stopper, and I think they're facing the consequences. Advanced metrics, they're actually pretty equal in both distribution and shot stopping. So it's just I tested that. They're literally like I think I think Ramsdale is like a marginal better shot stopper. And then uh Rye is like a marginal better distribution on yeah. the ball. But you know, it also depends on what kind of passes you're playing and what kind of shots you're facing and your defensive structure. So like, you know, it's really hard to compare what David Raya faced at Brentford, right? Yeah. He's on loan from Brentford and what Ramsdale was facing at Arsenal. Cause you know, I think the only fair metrics we could see was if we compared Arsenal this year to Ramsdale last year. But even then this is a different Arsenal side. Um, You know, cool. Arteta has just always been a carbon, carbon copy of Pep. And in that sense, you know, I, I was talking to someone about this last night. It's just really intriguing how, the 10 is coming back in football and it's because of we're going from, you know, went from Hugo de Possession to Gagan pressing to now positional play and in positional play, there's, there's no positions essentially, you know, it's just occupy this space. So, you know, you want to get as many of the best players on the pitch as possible. Zinchenko is essentially a deep end and, yeah. you know, so you get him on the field, but you know, you're going to suffer the consequences in transition. And, you know, that's where, a team like Luton, a team like Aston Villa, a team like uh, Brentford, you know, especially if they had Ivan Tooney, could really hurt you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, moving Brighton versus Brentford, um, you have any thoughts on that one? Obviously, it was a – it's a big game in my head, Brighton versus Brentford, because it's two teams yeah. that constantly push above their weight. It's two teams that always are very tactical and very – 
they're just they're trendsetters in my opinion in the game and you know well-deserved trendsetters yeah well i um i was watching the game only for a little bit um but just just for the few minutes that i did pascal gross is a baller i'm not sure no one knows what position he plays. He just plays wherever Deserby tells him to go, and he and he balls out. Um, you know he. In the time that I watched, he wins the game for them. He scores a a wonder goal, maybe not a wonder goal, but a very good goal outside the box with his left foot, which I'm pretty sure is his weak foot, and it's just a slick finish. The goalie has no shot, and he assists the second goal to win the game. Um. He also played uh, a forty-yard pass just across the field, pinged it perfectly to a guy, Adingra, on the wing, right outside the edge of the box. So you know that's that's a hard pass to play, considering the defense is going to be there because Brighton are up the field. It's not like they were breaking; they were in possession, and he just you know slots it forty yards. I don't know. He's um he's the this is a weak foot, by the way. I looked it up. Yeah. So. Pascal Gross is sort of like this. He's like the, I don't know, the so not the solution, but he's like the epitome epitome of what makes Deserbi so good is the flexibility. You know, in this game, the wingbacks were were coming inverted, but that doesn't happen all the time. You know, he has Lamptey and Estupinian who are like you know classic wingbacks who just hug the touchline. Yeah. So old school, right? And um, I don't know. I wrote it's a, I significant for me because if this guy were on a city, he would be doing the same thing, and everyone would be singing his praises. But you know, he's thirty two years old, and he's gonna win his first cap for Germany soon. It's it's crazy. I think it's an awesome story. Aside from even you know, if they went and lost, I still think it's awesome. Well, and you know, both these teams really they just deserve to uh be given all the praise for the recruitment in general. Yeah. I mean, they do a fantastic job. Um and they make the coaches look much better than they are in both both clubs. Um True. we saw Potter struggle and you know, I was never really a fan of Potter, but I enjoyed his Brighton and Deserby really wasn't all that great at Shakhtar and now he's at Brighton and he looks great in Brentford, you know. Uh their coach has been there for a while, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, Frank. You know, he's they, like the third most tenured coach in the Prem. Yeah, there you go. Um he just they don't fire him because he's on the same wavelength as the board, and yeah. that's what they want. And so Brentford continues to punch above their weight, even without their one of the best strikers in the Prem who literally gets England caps before, you know, the gambling scandal. But, you know, great team two great teams that deserve to be talked about more than they actually do. Yeah. And the thing about the thing about them is, is like, they're going to get killed some games, you know, they'll lose because to, of the way they play. Right. It's just, it, it's so interesting They neither of them will probably ever win the league. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that for certain, but probably not. Chances are so slim and they're still awesome. I think it's a, I don't know. Obviously, they kind of get memed because of like football Twitter and football hipsters. But I don't know the the reality of it is is those types of clubs are making the sport 
a lot more enjoyable. And that's a takeaway. I was going to say enjoyable is definitely the word to use for that one, because like, you know, I, we like the vias to punch above their weight. We like, you know, we, if you're, if you're not, as long as they're not beating your team, what do you care? Right. Like, you know, as long as they're not playing Haram ball. Um, (laughs) They're not. Yeah. And okay. So talking about Haram ball, Go Newcastle ahead. lose three nil. Yeah, no, they don't really. Newcastle don't play Haram ball, but it's they closer. definitely played. They played Haram ball against Everton, and they lose three nil. Everton has been awesome since the sanctions. Like, <laughs> I've I've heard rumblings of like the squad is really using like motivation to just pick the crap out of teams. And I think have they lost since the sanctions? I don't. I don't really follow Everton too often. I don't, know. I don't think they have. Um, granted, the sanctions are like two weeks old, but. Yeah. Still, I mean, beating Newcastle for Everton is that's that's the big leagues, man. And mm-hmm. I I just don't think this new I don't think this Newcastle team is that good. I remember saying to you what Monday, I was like, "Hey, man, you really?" I said, "Asked you what you thought about Everton." I was like, "Watch out for Everton, man." I was like, yeah. "They're much better than they play." Um, right. And honestly, I think I think the EPL did them a solid with the sanctions. It could have been much worse. They could have, you know, added it to last season and gotten him relegated. Like, so, you know, I think they would take that 10 point ban and the EPL did them solid because Everton is one of the teams that has never been relegated from my understanding. Yeah. And I don't want to see them get relegated because, you know, yeah. they don't, they're, they're a class, like I'm not an Everton fan. Um, Even I prefer Liverpool over Everton, but I just, I like, I like the story. I should put it that way. Yeah. And, you know, if the Merseyside Derby weren't in the Prem, that would suck. Um, but talking about since the sanctions, I believe they they only have one loss. Um, okay. Outside of their last eight games, they've only lost once. So they have been on fire. Yeah. I don't know. They're, um, they're scoring goals for fun right now. And the squad is just like, what in the world even is this? Ducore is someone that has always just been under the radar. He's a fantastic defensive midfielder. Anyways, <clears throat> I um Spurs have Newcastle this this weekend, and both clubs are sort of in this wonky, wonky state of affairs. But when it comes to Spurs, which we don't have to touch on too much, it's just um they lost they lost another lead. They score early and they lose again. Um mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really want to break down the game, but I did want to say this. I don't know if you saw it in the notes, but one of my friends from school called me after the game and was like, it's time to fire Pastacoglu. I was like, Do what? Do I know this person? No, no, you don't. Oh, good. I would, I would cut ties <laughs> with them completely. You would not like them anyways. You would hate them. But um, I was like, what are you talking about, man? What? Do you know? Do you know what you're talking about right now? And they don't. In all fairness, they're a Fulham fan who like, who barely knows a whole lot. But um, I don't know. It was infuriating. Um, if if Daniel Levy's out there listening for whatever reason, do not do not sack Pastacoglu. I don't care if we lose the next ten games. All right, maybe, maybe that's a lie, but no. I think uh. It is a, it is worth asking the question like okay how many losses in a row would would Spurs need to to fire Pasta Coglu? 
but I don't think it's now. Not after five games, considering the injury crisis. Um, not to mention, West Ham got very lucky to score both those goals. The second one was a bit more of a Spurs' fault, but uh, nah, that was that was not good. Um, yeah, and you know, I just I I wouldn't fire Ange for anything. Um, yeah, no. I like Ange. I mean, dude's been without Romero for three games. Romero comes back, and you know, I do want to touch on Romero a little bit because he's been a big big part of this success yeah totally but you know i i'm not mad about what happened for spurs in that game this spurs team is missing a nine you know their best nine in history arguably the best english nine of all time beyond that you have your best player playing out of position yeah you have brennan johnson who is young lisevsky which you know we know what he is yeah. James Madison's out. Ever since James Madison's been out, they've struggled. Um, and now Basuma is trying to do more, which is why I believe he's been out of form because he's kind of felt like, okay, now I got to be the guy in midfield. So, you know, he's trying to do it on the defensive end. He's trying to progress the ball more. Where James Madison, that was kind of his role in a big way. Um, yeah. And, you know, that Ben Davies at center left center back is not ideal. Probably yeah. fourth choice center back, you'd think. Um, who is it? Eric Dyer can't even sniff a minute. Um, it's and bad. All of that being said, I mean, I wouldn't let Eric Dyer sniff a minute either, but you know, um, I, I'm not blaming Ange for this. And honestly, I kind of, I kind of like Ange for this. Like he just, he, he hasn't backed down. Yeah. He hit the fan and he's like, nah, we're still going to play our way. Yeah. And like, you can only do that at Spurs and get away with it. Like there aren't many clubs that would be like, like if he tried that at Real Madrid, he'd be fired immediately. They'd be like, no, like you have to win. Yeah. Um, but I think that's for the betterment of the team. And, you know, the Chelsea one is definitely concerning in a way of like, dude, come on. We got nine guys on the freaking pitch. <laughs> like yeah. just, just get a point. Um, yeah. That one was concerning to say the least, but all that being said, I'm not mad at Ange. I don't blame Ange for any of this. And yeah, I just, that's yeah, all I got to say. I would not fire him though, like at all. Yeah. The the last thing I'll say about it is if you look at the momentum bar for the game, it, it tells the whole story. Like the, the amount of chances that Ange ball is producing are they're, they're good. And it's more so about finding finding attackers in form and like you said, Johnson maturing and Kulisevsky needs to become, you know, a bit more selfish. Um, so we'll see. I think Spurs and are... and and I want to say that like Spurs could have easily won that game like three, four nothing in the first like twenty minutes. Like you you let West Ham stay in the game because you don't finish off your chances. I thought Son looked absolutely terrible which is really the issue in the game. Um, but again, I've been on record saying to you multiple times, you can't play Son as a striker without Madison, in my opinion. I would never do that. Um, yeah, I'm slowly agreeing with that. And, you know, you like what Son does at the nine, but, like, as an outsider looking in, it's just kind of like you need you need him on the left. And I'm not saying you get Richarlison up top because I don't think that's ideal either. 
you know, I, I agree with Ange, get your best 11 available on the field every single time, right? Like <clears throat> that's how I always coach, like figure out, get who are, who are my top 11 guys right now that I have? All right, let's, how do, how do I fit these guys onto the field? Okay. If I can't fit him, how do I fit the top 12 guys onto the field and so on and so forth? Um, and I think Ange is doing that and I, I don't have any complaints and your friend should really, he should, he should listen to this podcast because he could, he could use some ball knowledge to yeah. understand that I, I'm very curious as to what club he supports. Cause if it's not Real Madrid, then he really shouldn't be so quick to fire a manager. Cause that's the only club that really, or maybe he's a Chelsea. He's got to be a Chelsea fan. He has Pull to be a Chelsea fan. Okay. Yeah. This guy just <laughs> go rot in the third division one year, please. And let me know uh, how quick you want to fire a manager. Um, but I wouldn't sack Ange. I would ride Ange for at least three seasons. Like, just get let, I like I think season two is going to be the peak. Um, yeah. Usually, coaches have three three years. Um, as you see with Pep, he kind of tries to change every year so that he that's how he elongates the three years. But you know, we saw it with Klopp, he had like a four year reign of like perfection with his guys, and it was really like a two year reign. But yeah. you know, I'm counting like the beginning when like they struggled, and then. They had like two off years where he's like, man, I really got to reinvent this squad because I'm not going to change the squad tactically. And now they're back to where they were before with a completely different squad, except for like three guys. Because Robertson's not really playing. And the only guys you really still have are Alisson, VVD, Trenton, Mo. really is it. Um, and he's, he's had to reinvent that team. Um, and I don't even, who did they play midweek? I don't even know. That, that didn't even take precedent in my mind. They must have won like two or three nothing. That's an interesting question. I they played Sheffield. They won two nothing. I know because I remember seeing it. It just didn't register with me. Um, which is really sad. They should have beat Sheffield a lot worse than that, in my opinion. Um I mean, looking at the momentum bar. It could have been more. Yeah. Okay. At least that's fair. Um I thought Gakpo started too. And you know, I don't this isn't I don't want to get into Liverpool talk, but they spent the money in the wrong places, in my opinion. Another team that probably should have been in on Rice after they lost on Chuamani and probably had more pull than Chelsea in that situation. Like they could rival Arsenal. Unless, like, I mean, unless Declan Rice is like, I'm an Arsenal fan. I want to go to Arsenal. That's the only way I see that happening. Um, I would rather play for Klopp at Liverpool than Arteta at Arsenal, but that's just my personal preference. I'm also a Klopp fan as a coach, not not so much as a person sometimes. Yeah. Um, but any other talk about the Prem that you want to touch on? No, I mean, other than the this midweek set up the weekend interesting. If, you know, Spurs have a chance to bounce back against Newcastle, Newcastle, Newcastle just got waxed. Yeah. So we'll see. That's on Sunday. And I think it's at it's at the what the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then Aston Villa's got another chance to prove themselves against Arsenal. So I would be a park. I'm yeah. tuning in for sure. Yeah. I, I need to see. I need to. I need to see some Emery ball. You want to talk about Haram ball? That's that's what they do. Um, <laughs> but they looked really good against City anyway. Like it wasn't Haram ball against City. But when they start getting dominated, they like tuck in. You know, like a turtle, like into their shell. And God, it's hard to watch when they get dominated. Um, moving on to uh, so England was the only one that played league games this week. Everyone else had cup games. Um, so. I I follow La Liga, so I followed Copa del Rey. Yeah. I'm guessing you probably didn't follow it too precisely. Um, so no. I can just I can just go quick hitter here. 
Almeria gets eliminated by a, ter- a third division side. Actually, I think it's a fourth division side because you have La Liga 1, La Liga 2, Segunda, and then Tessera. So they get eliminated by Tessera side, Barbastro. And their struggles <laughs> continue. They're clearly going to get relegated. Addy's also eliminated in the round of 32, I want to say, or it was around a six. It's around a 64, um, which it's a single elimination game. The four teams in the Spanish Super Cup do not need to participate. Real Madrid, because they won the Super, they won the Copa del Rey. Asasuna doesn't need to participate because they got second in the Copa del Rey. Barcelona, because they won the league. And then Atletico got third in the league, but because Real Madrid were already in and they got second in the league, Atletico gets the next spot. So those are the four teams that do not need to participate until the round of 16, which is really nice. And actually, I want to send you this video um, about this, uh, the pitch that Cadiz had to play on and they lost. Um, <laughs> But other than that, Villarreal advance, Hatafe advance, Espanol advance, Valencia advance, Rio Vallecano, Real Sociedad, Sevilla, Mallorca, Malaga, and Malaga is not a first division side, but uh, a little bit before your time, they were a UCL semifinalist in yeah. the early 2010s. So, you know, they're in the third division in Spain right now. So it's nice to see them like doing something. I'm um, an athletic club. They all advance. Um they transitioned to one-legged ties some years ago, like two or three years ago, and it's been much better for the uh, for the tournament because, like, it was always like Barcelona, Real Madrid, and uh, Atletico winning. But you know, now you have Asasuna making the final because of one-legged ties, you know, and you you know all they got to do is beat you one time, and you know they're at home. It's usually how it goes. That's kind of the shitty part about it. Um, let me just pull up my Twitter and I'll I'll send you that video right now. But it, it's kind of cool how um, they do it like that, how you go and play in these stadiums and, you know, you have to, you got to win in these stadiums, man. It's kind of incredible when you think about it because these pitches are definitely not what you want them to be. Let's put it that way. Yes. Um. There's an account. There's a La Liga Extra. It's a great account on um nice guy too. I've talked to him multiple times. He does a great job with uh promoting La Liga, which is there aren't a lot of people that out there that do promote La Liga, which is actually kind of nice. Yeah. Um I, I shared it to myself, so I have it right here. He posted it three hours ago. Um copy link. There's a chat here, right? That I can send it to. Uh yeah, there should be. Oh, or I can just share my screen. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, here we go. All right. Can you see this? Are you uh, watching this? Look at that. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. not seeing it yet. Isn't that like, look how bad this is, right? That's terrible. <laughs> why is that allowed? Why is that allowed in in a, in a competition? I know it's nice, but why is that allowed? That shouldn't be allowed. Um, That's wild. Yeah. And it's not really something that should be accepted. Let's just put it that way um <laughs> that looks like a you know non-league non-league english football sunday game yeah it looks like a sunday league game that you and i would get to participate in um, yeah so that being said it's pretty embarrassing um yeah and then you know moving to germany which uh i did follow really interesting yeah yeah it's interesting byron's already eliminated yep so that's wonderful dortmund gets eliminated by stugart as um Garassi finally comes back I think he made his return on the weekend and he scores a big goal for them um and Dortmund actually fielded a pretty strong team when you look at it um yeah they just kind of lacked firepower up front 
Uh, and this Dortmund team's really weird. I'm not a fan of it, them. Uh, I don't weird. think they're very good. I don't think they're very good. I know they're top of their UCL group, but I don't I don't think they're very good. I don't know about you, what you think about them, but well yeah, they have heading into the season, I was I thought they were pretty good. And you know, our UCL predictions, I, I did think that they were gonna advance. I think it's more so a product of the rest of those teams being relatively dysfunctional. Like PSG, you know, it's yeah. just like them to lose that group. And then Newcastle first first chance at the UCL. Very dysfunctional. <clears throat> And then Milan has a little has a few kinks to work out. Tons of injury woes for AC Milan. It's incredible for a team that should be should be winning that group pretty easily. He's actually finding themselves in fourth place. Um, yeah, in my no. opinion, should be easy winning that group pretty easily because you know they were a semifinalist last year and they didn't really lose anybody. I don't think they lost anybody actually. No, if um, anything, strengthened. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, Frankfurt. Loses again. They've only won one from five. They get a red card and lose the third division side. Sar Brunken. Um, <laughs> yeah. So another, another big team. You know, I track yeah. Frankfurt as a big club in Germany. Um, and then yeah. Wolfsburg and Mach and Gladbach actually they ended up getting drawn against each other. And Mach and Gladbach like, luckily got home field advantage and they win in the one hundred twentieth minute, as a header as the dude, lacks at the back post. Um, I believe it was like Kone scored, scores the winner after uh, Nihos just beat his man to the byline and just sends a little soft cross. And uh, actually, Vind missed the header for Wolfsburg in the 90th minute with a fantastic save. So all that being said, actually, I thought Wolfsburg was the better team. Fair. And, you know, they don't have any XG for these games, so we can't actually, like, see anything. But I'm sure they'll start getting them when they get into the later rounds. Right. Uh, I mean, the only the thing for me is I'm a big fan of Kone in terms of like a dynamic midfielder and mm-hmm. eight. I think <clears throat> he'll be playing for a for a Champions League team soon. Keep really? Your, You're that high on him? Yeah. Keep your eyes peeled. I will keep my eyes peeled then. He, um, you know, he's another French guy. I don't know how Always. France is turning these many, you know, these many players out. His stats this year aren't the greatest. He only has a goal, but you know that's not really his job. He's it's not his job. He's gonna win the ball back. He can. He's gonna offload it to someone who can progress the ball through passing, or he's gonna carry it. Um, twenty-two worth about forty million market val. Um, keep your eyes peeled. I could oh, see him going to Liverpool. Um, you know he's he is like a B tech to a many. Anyways, I like that comp. I yeah, like that comp. The, the comp to Liverpool, that is. I don't know about the too many parks. I haven't watched enough of them. Um, when I watch Bundesliga, as we can, we, this will be my transition. We wa- I watch my guy, Chabi Alonso, mostly, who, yeah. in my opinion, should now be clear favorites to win this. Um, Definitely. It's, you know, they win 3 1. Uh, Boniface, Schick, and Palacios score double assist from Frimpong. Um, Schick is coming off the bench. Think about that. Patrick Schick. Yeah, is coming off the bench. I'll repeat, Patrick Schick <laughs> coming off the bench. That shows how deep this team is. That shows how fantastic they are, how great of a job that the sporting director and Chabi Alonso have done hand-in-hand. Hand. They go get Grimaldo on a free this summer. Free. Um, Grimaldo and Frimpong actually lead their team lead their team in goals and assists. Um, Crazy. Frimpong, they're both menaces. Uh, Grimaldo, they have tuck in and play as kind of like a 10. Um, 
in that half space. And then Grimpong keeps his width and drives the byline and looks for cutbacks. Uh, so great team to watch. If anyone loves good expansive football and they want to watch a chameleon in attack in defense, someone that can change by our Leverkusen Chavi is your squad to watch this year. I've watched probably about 20, 30 games of them and they're exciting. They're great. Florian Verts is amazing. Boniface is dynamic up front. Um, Schick coming off the bench. Uh, Jonas Hoffman. I mean, what a guy. I don't know where he was before, but huge fan of his. He came out of nowhere on my radar. I'm sure he was on a lot of people's radars. He just wasn't on mine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Frimpong has been on my radar for two seasons now, and he's got a $40 million release clause this summer or Euro, 40 million Euro release clause this summer. And, that is he is worth about 80 in my head as a outside back and any top squad that needs a right back should throw 40 at him and let him decide because he's that good um definitely i think he should probably sign a new deal if my guess because based on my sources in my head which are not actually sources i think chabi alonso stays another year hmm. just from the information i've done or the research i've done i i think he's leaning and staying another season um because Florian Verts, by reasoning, is Florian Verts said he's staying this season, next season. And the only reason for Florian Verts to stay, because he's arguably, he's a top talent along with Musiala, uh, Bellingham, and Pedri as the best uh, tens in the world, in my opinion. Young tens, especially. Um, yeah. He's as good as those guys. And if he's saying he wants to stay, there's probably a reason going on in the background of why this guy wants to stay another season. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I just found out Frimpong is from Manchester City's academy. Did you know that? Wow, I did not. I, I, it's it doesn't make me like him any less, but <laughs> I'm not surprised. I, I've had some, I've had a Man United friend tell me that Man City's academy is shit, and I, I'm, I've told him really because Sancho, uh, Foden and Raheem Diaz all came out of the same graduating class. So you know, let's do the math on that one. Uh, yeah. Raheem Diaz is awesome. Playing played for AC Milan as a starter, now backing up at Real Madrid. Jude Bellingham, backing up Jude. It's not like he's backing up some bum. Yeah, backing up Jude Bellingham. Um, Foden is like the twelfth man at Man City, and Jaden Sancho was one of the best players in the Bundesliga when he was with Dortmund and is lopping at United. But I don't necessarily know if that's his fault, so to speak. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. <clears throat> Well, yeah, their their academy is not shit. They have Frimpong as well. and Yeah, another one to add to the list of people I can bring up. There are others. I can find it real quick. Cole Palmer. Cole another Palmer, one. exactly, yeah. He went for 45. I, I know I'm not a fan, but I think 45 is a fair price for Cole Palmer. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Romeo Lavia as well. You know, he's he's still... Baller. Huge fan. Yeah. You know, they... Michael Olise is another one that I did not know. Oh, nice. I did not know he was from there. Oh, wow. Okay, they cook. Yeah, they do. Are they, are they the new Southampton? Are they the new Southampton? Or is that what, that what we're going to start saying? Um, so they have another. There's a guy who left their academy, Carlos Borges. That's more of a niche one, but he's playing for Ajax right now, Portuguese right winger. Okay. Um, he He's one to watch. He'll, he'll, he'll have a huge transfer soon. Talking about transfers, I didn't really – this seems to be more your territory because they're Spanish guys, but yeah, Brian goes to the Bayern is a huge deal. Um, huge deal, and it's a weird deal for me. Yeah, it is weird. 
It doesn't Byron, make a lot of sense for me. I think Byron liked to sign some of these guys that are very low risk. You know, if if he doesn't perform well, it's not like they spent a whole bunch of money. Transferred too. Yeah. yeah. But, and, uh, you know, something that the reason it, it really sticks out to me is that they're they're keeping him at Granada for the rest of the year. He's actually been probably the best left winger in La Liga this season. Um, but the reason it's weird to me is maybe they're doing it as to cover for the potential Leroy Sané saga that will probably ensue this summer. Um, and they're going to have to make a decision on if they're going to sell. Um, but, you know, they have an abundance of wingers there, an abundance of good wingers. And so it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, you have Gnabry, you have Komen, you have Sané. You also, and let's not just talk about them, you know, because we can just talk about the attack in general because, you know, you can't play too many attackers. So Coleman, Sané, Gnabry, Musiala, Kane, M- Mueller. And Matthews. You have seven guys. Yes, thank you. Forgot about him. God, I, you would remember him because that's your guy. Um, and that's that's what's crazy is that he tell is that good and he still gets lost in the bunch. Um, yeah. I don't see Zaragoza. I don't see him thriving there. I, I see it as security. He's a really good player. His advanced metrics are really good. He's been one of the best players in La Liga this season. Um, and it's really smart for uh, these teams to pick up these guys early. And this is this is a Bayern thing. This is what Bayern does. They get it done early. They get it done cheap before the other teams start sniffing around. They have a fantastic recruiting department, much like Real Madrid. It's why they're so good and why they stay in the elite of the elite conversations because they get deals like this done. Um, yeah. The one question I will say, is it a Mark Roca 2.0, which is someone they brought in from La Liga, who was one of the best DMs when they brought him in La Liga. He went to Bayern. He never played again. Um, now he's applying his trade back in La Liga as a backup. I want to say he's at Sociedad, but don't quote me on that. It might be Betis. I forget. But he's at a mid-table La Liga squad, and he's still not playing. Um, probably because he's lost his form. And then also... You know, Juan Miranda goes from goes to AC Milan from Real Betis as they continue to lose players, especially in their back line. Um, and you got to feel for Pellegrini in that sense because, you know, he's a class manager. He had a class squad. And this was a squad I had finishing really high until I looked at their squad before the season. I was like, holy shit, they've just been picked apart. You know who they just signed on a free, bro? Socrates. <laughs> Socrates signed on a free for Real Betis. He's one of their starting center backs now. They've had a ton of injuries. Um and they also have keep your eye out for this kid Luis Enrique, Enrique, not Enrique. Um, they yeah. pronounce it Enrique in Spain because of the H is silent, but he's Brazilian right winger, very good, great left foot. Everyone keep your eye out on him. He's a fantastic baller. Um, and you know that's just it's just it, usually at this time of year we're not talking about transfers, but uh, AC Milan and Bayern that's why they're big clubs, man. They get shit done and. Yeah. They go and get players that they, they're smart with their deals. Um, and it's real easy in La Liga because you can just pay a release clause and they're yours if they want to go. Yeah. Um, because La Liga requires teams, every contract has to have a release clause, um, part yeah. of the La Liga bylaws. And so, you know, I'm sure 15 mil was Zaragoza's release clause. And Juan Miranda moves to AC Milan for like 2 million. So. So I'm sure he's going to be a backup left back for them. Yeah. But is he, he had one year left on his deal, so they're happy to see him go. Yeah. He um he's from Barca's academy, right? Yes. And yeah. Barca receives like 800 of that 2 million. So <laughs> they need that cash for sure. Well, Betis need it just as bad too, so that's the that's the bad part about it. Um 
And La Liga clubs continue to struggle in the transfer market, but they still continue to punch above their weight in Europe. So um, even Sevilla, who has been absolute garbage and got gypped in the Champions League, um, probably deserved to go through in their group, honestly, from what I've seen. They were the better team in most of their games. So it's unfortunate, but that's just the way the cookies crumbled this year. Um, Any other talking points from you? Not necessarily. It was a busy, it was a busy, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, some stuff going on today. Um, like I said earlier, it sets up the weekend very well, um, which we will obviously cover. Um, let's see. I just want to – oh, Juve did take the league, the lead. It looks like a close game, though. I'm not it's, surprised. Um, yeah, I guess that is one thing. It I was. Would. It was a little back and forth from what I saw. Yeah, that is one thing. It's like – Talking about a team like Betis, a team like Santos, a team like Juventus now, I'm just wondering about, you know, not to not to drag this on, but I'm wondering, like, are we really starting to see the effects of COVID on these clubs now when it comes to their finances? Um, I don't know, because something like that, obviously, you, you know better than me, but something like that is it's a delayed it's a delayed reaction, you know? Um, it's a slow burn. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, just something to think about. As you know, I don't want to see a lot of these teams disappear. Disappear. Not that Juve would disappear, but you know, Santos get relegated. Real Betis need money, and it's not like Juventus has need money. Yeah, it's not like Juventus has a world class squad anymore. You know, I I really Kiesa and Vlahovic. That's really it. I mean, Rabiot. Right. I mean, they have good players. That's what's kind of kept them afloat. Right. I feel like when I was younger, I would see them in the, you know, in the transfer bids with a guy like Florian Verts. If, you know, yeah. if you were in Italy, I would have seen seen them in for those guys back in the day. Florian Verts um, at Juve right now would be actually be ex- exciting. I would be a huge fan of that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like Juve wouldn't sign Florian Verts. If anything, like a Europa League team in the Prem would before Juve would these days. Yeah, it's really sad actually the way that football's kind of gone in that direction right now. And I, I do think, I think it was a mix of COVID plus you know the EPL money has just been there, and then a bunch of financial mismanagement from these clubs um, during COVID was really the problem. Um, you know they were trying to stay afloat. You know I, if you look at Real Madrid squad, we didn't really do a lot during COVID. We kind of just stayed put. Um, didn't even really move anybody ourselves. Uh, we sold Hakimi to Inter, but you know, which was a big money move and one some Madridistas regret regret. But you know, at the end of the day, you have to do what you have to do to stay afloat. And this is kind of why Barcelona's in this situation. They spent fifty mil for one season of Lewandowski to win one league title. Does that justify it? Because Lewandowski's in the worst form of his career. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know, even the squad like Barcelona and even Atletico, like. They've done a good job, honestly, post-COVID. I think they've sold a lot of the fat. They've cut, or they cut a lot of the fat off the, you know, off their squad, and they've done it. They've done it cheap. They've brought up academy players. They've loaned out academy players. Like, Lino is very good. Raquel May is really good. Brought Sold Griezmann for 120, bought him back for 20. You know, that's a plus <laughs> 100, and you get the player back. And Griezmann's yeah. arguably one of the best players in the world still. Um, Maratas, you know, Popped around a lot, but he's been real good for them. Cheap, uh, you know. Uh, Marcus Llorente has been awesome. They, you know, they wanted to move Saul, 
who, you know, they should have sold to United a very long time ago when United put in like an 80 million bid for him, but they didn't. Um, and, you know, they just, uh, they grabbed the Leicester center back. Uh, I don't even. Yeah. Uh, he's not even playing for them. They got Axel Witzel. So they weird. have like, they have really good, they have a good squad on paper, on paper, like really good squad. Mario Hormoso, Jose Ma, they're class, man. And, you know, they're gonna they're gonna punch above their weight this year, as they always do. But that's Atletico, man. It's just like, it's just like you know that Aston Villa talk we had. Like, yeah. they're best when they're underdogs. They're best when they're punching above their weight. They were favorites by many against Barca, and they got absolutely waxed. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a a lot of exciting stuff on the forefront, you know, even among the bleakness of with things like Santos. Um, so yeah. There's some tasty fixtures this weekend. Um, you know, Juve Napoli's on right now. Atlanta Milan, Roma Fiorentina. That's just Italy. We obviously talked about some of the Prem. Um, you know, exciting Bundesliga and La Liga games as well. Barca Girona. Girona Barca. Yeah. Top of the league clash. That's the one that pops out for sure. Dortmund yeah, is the one that pops out this weekend from all games, I think. Yeah. I um, think I I think Barcelona will probably come away with three points. You have to hope for their sake. Um but Girona aren't someone to be messed with, in my opinion. They're they're solid. Real Madrid beat them three 0 but it really wasn't a comfortable three 0 Yeah, I I see what you mean. But uh, yeah, that concludes episode one. Unless you had something you wanted to say. No, I'm good. I right. I I was it was a good it was a good discussion, and yeah. I look forward to continuing this. Absolutely. All right, people. Peace. Ooh.